My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you... Praise the Lord. Let's all stand. Praise his name. Amazing grace. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus today. Are you thankful for his grace? There's nothing like his grace. I'm so thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm thankful to see each and every one of you today. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Just turn to your neighbor and let them know this is the day the Lord hath made. Well, praise the Lord. We bless you in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. This morning, if I could turn your attention to Nehemiah, we'll read just one verse. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 9. Praise God. Nehemiah says, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. Nehemiah is telling us here in this one verse of the action that he took in the face of opposition. You may say, well, what does that have to do with us today, church? We're looking at opposition every day. Does anybody notice the temperature, if you will, is rising? Words are going from words, and you're starting to see a lot more actions being taken against people just because of what they believe, what opinions they have. Whether you agree with their opinion or not, people are taking it upon themselves to physically confront those who have a difference of opinion. But even more so than that, I believe the church is facing persecution today, and you and I must understand, what are we going to do in the face of persecution, of opposition I think we can do exactly what Nehemiah did, and we can't go wrong. Nehemiah prayed, and he set a watch. So this morning, I'd like to tell you, let's pray and set a watch and believe that our God will help us finish his work. Did you notice I didn't say our work or the United Pentecostal Church's work? No, we're here today to finish his work, no matter the opposition. Would you put your Bibles down for a moment and let's lift our hands and our voices unto the Lord and let's just call upon his name this morning. Jesus, you have been faithful, Lord. You've called us into the kingdom for such a time as this. 
We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for the Holy Ghost. We thank you for the goodness of the Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in and through us. Jesus, would we pray right now that you would use us in this last day. Use us, oh God, in the midst of all opposition to complete your work, to do what you've called us to do in this hour. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Praise the Lord. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. You know, most of us, I believe, came to church this morning without worrying about being followed by the police. That's a good thing. Unless, of course... You were going too fast and were concerned about those lights that flash behind you, those red and blue lights. Has anybody ever seen those in your rearview mirror before? Yep. I've seen them more times than I care to admit. But the good thing for us today, we were able to leave our houses. We were able, well... Let me just stop there. The good thing today was we were able to leave our houses. That's odd, isn't it? Think about that for a moment. I'm still thinking about that for a moment. Because something we have taken for granted. Things are changing. You were able to leave your house. The government said it was okay today. You can leave your house, at least in Florida, under these current conditions. You know, you didn't have to worry about being chased. You did not have to worry about the police arresting you. We were able to come into this house. We were able to worship together. We were able to freely assemble. We were able to worship God and, and to lift up his name. Not, not worried about someone catching us and putting us into prison for what we believe. But what you and I have, even as we see things changing with quote-unquote restrictions and the word of the year is mandates. We see things changing, but... The rest of the world, this is not the case for them. That when they want to worship God, when they want to come together with the people of God, we, we don't realize yet what the real sting of persecution is like in America. We're beginning to kind of get some ideas of what it might be and what it can potentially be. But many people around the world are dealing with real persecution. Over 10% of the world, persecution is a way of life. According to one report, one out of every nine Christians in the world faces high levels of persecution. They worship in a whisper. Many of them require passwords and, and certain settings in order to worship God. They may be going to a birthday party, but the birthday party is just simply a code for we're going to go have church. They can't say it out loud. They have to constantly be on guard. 
They watch day and night. They, they are vigilant to make sure they don't give away their services and, and make known that they're meeting together. Why? Because they are being persecuted from worshiping God. And, and even though it's not to that point here in America, church, we must never take it for granted that we could come together like we have this morning and freely worship our God. Persecution is not anything new. Persecution was the wind that, that blew the seeds of revival over all the world in the New Testament. And that same wind of persecution is blowing today throughout our world. The enemy opposes God's work in this world. But let me remind each and every one of you and remind myself, no matter how much the enemy can't stand the work of God, there's not anything he can do to stop it. Jesus said, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter, I'll give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This church, his church, operates in this world according to the authority that God has given it. And there's nothing like the church in this world. Amen. Nothing the enemy can do is going to stop the plan of God from coming to pass. It will happen exactly as God has planned it. People may change. Faces may change. But God's will is going to be accomplished. There may have been those who have started out this race and have since turned back on God. But God is still going to have his church. He's still going to have his will done in this world. There have been those that have left the church over the years, and I've even heard what they had to say. They always thought that when they left, the church would fail. Or when this family left, surely the church would never be able to recover. The church is not about a name. The church is not about a family. The church is not about an individual. The only name the church is really about is the name of Jesus. And Jesus is the reason why the church is here. In the midst of opposition, you and I must be determined that we are going to live for God. I believe this is the hour 2020 has shown us quite a few things. I believe what it has shown us is that there are, there are those that just hang around, but there are those who are really involved. There are those that say they have a relationship, but there are others that truly have a daily walk with God. In July of 1940... Nazi Germany began a vicious air campaign over Great Britain, which was also known as the Battle of Britain. That constant barrage of bombings and air battles, it continued to 19, June 1941. The German army had managed to conquer almost all of mainland Europe by the June of 1941, including France. Great Britain was the last major government with the potential to stop the spread of fascism throughout the world. 
The United States was not even considered a factor to the Nazis as they have taken a role of neutrality after World War I. But while the British land forces had been beaten back to the shores of Dunkirk, France amassed the largest troop evacuation in history. They were not ready to surrender the fight that they knew that was coming. Hitler decided to weaken the British resistance through the use of his air force, destroying factories and aircraft and the morale of the British people. His plan was to have air and amphibious invasion of the British Isles, but he didn't count on one thing. He didn't count on that resolve or what they would call that steel resolve of the British people that was led by Prime Minister Winston Churchill. In a speech that Churchill gave to Parliament on June 18, 1940, listen to what he said. He said, the whole fury and might of the enemy must soon be turned on us. But if we stand up to him, all of Europe may be free and the life of the world may move forward into broad, sunlit uplands. But if we fail, then the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a dark new age. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties and so bear ourselves. If the British Empire and its commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say this was their finest hour. Churchill was saying that if we stand up, if we stand up against the onslaught of the enemy, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be without suffering. It's not going to be without sacrifice. It's not going to be without pain. But what opportunity we have if we choose to stand up to the enemy. Church, this isn't the hour to back down. It's not the hour to give up. It's not the hour to quit. It's not the hour to let up on our dedication to the Lord, but this is the hour for you and I to stand up. It's the hour for you and I to stand upon the word of the Lord. It's the hour for you and I to say, I'm going to trust in the Lord with all of my heart. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. I'm not looking to what can be seen, but I'm looking to that which cannot be seen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning and bless his name? I'm trying today to encourage the church to understand as Churchill said, in a, in a sense, to the people, look, the enemy is going to soon be turned against us. It's going to be at our door. In fact, he's going to be trying to kick in our door. Bombs from overhead, continually bombarding. But you know what? If we stand, we can make a fight. There's an opportunity and today the church must be aware that we have an opportunity. Yes, in this hour, we have an opportunity. That no matter what wave of persecution or winds of persecution come, you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. 
You've been baptized in Jesus' name. You've got a witness and a testimony that somebody needs to hear. Your testimony can be the very thing that breaks through the stronghold of people's hearts and they say, you know what? I want to find this Jesus too. I want to find the peace that you have too. I want to find the joy that you have too. Show me how you found him. When faced with uncertainty and fear and opposition, the human instinct is to incorporate whatever means necessary for self-preservation. And if ever we see self-preservation, we see it on full display today. It's almost to the point that we are choosing to stop living in order to keep from dying. I don't know if I said that accurately because it doesn't make sense. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to do what I've always done, and I'm going to get myself together, and I'm going to live this life. I'm not going to live this life because of me or for me or any other reason, but I am going to live according to the word of God and walk in faith and trust in the Lord. I'm not laying down on the railroad tracks to see if the train can pass by without hurting me, but I'm going to walk in wisdom and faith, believing that my God still has a plan for my life, uh, and he has a will for the church, uh, and there's still a need for people to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, there's a need for people to hear the gospel. There's a need for people to see this light uh, in the midst of a dark world. Don't quit living for God now. Carry that cross. Show to the world that there is a God that you could serve that can keep you in the midst of all danger. We look for safety. It's natural to do that. It's not natural to run toward danger. It's not natural. Most people will run out of a building that's on fire. But firemen who have been trained, they don't run away from the fire. But thanks be to God, Doc, there are those that run toward the fire. There are corpsmen that don't run away from the bullets, Doc, but they, they, when they hear corpsmen up, they, you know, hey, they're saying get toward the injured. Get toward the hurting. The bullets are coming at you just like they're coming at everybody else. But when a Marine calls for a corpsman to come up, the corpsman says, here I come. Why? Because they've been trained in that fashion. They run toward the danger. It's not natural. When police officers run, they don't run away from the bullets, but they're running to where the bullets are coming from. Why? So where they can stop that danger. They can protect their community. And they, can, they put themselves on the line. You and I, as Christians, we discipline ourselves also in that fashion. You may not think of it that way. But instead of hiding from the opposition, instead of trying to live in a, in a protected bubble where nothing hurts you any longer, I, I'm sorry to say that if you're breathing, something's going to hurt you. A couple weeks ago, a bookcase, it hurt me bad. 
It took out two toes. I'm not sure if they have recovered yet. It still hurts. It's painful. But the joy. <laughs> Brother Sturdy, I, I was chasing my three-year-old around the house, and I, I hit a bookshelf, and my toes haven't recovered yet. But the joy of chasing that little three-year-old around the house with her giggling, I tell you what, that is, that, is, that is worth its weight in gold to hear her giggling and laughing as I'm trying to catch her. She didn't know what happened. Now, she told me the other day, Daddy, go slow, Daddy, go slow, because she knew I wiped out bad. But what joy, that's what life's all about. Listen, the life's not about me saying, oh, no, I'm never chasing you again. I hurt my foot. No, I might be hurting, but I'm chasing you again, little girl. I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to get you. And you know what? I'm going to have the joy in that chase. Listen, the church is facing opposition, but this isn't the time to say, oh, my, I might get hurt, or this might be dangerous, or I don't want to stir up things in the spirit. What are we afraid of? If you've got the Holy Ghost, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When opposition comes, when persecution comes, it's not going to be about us anyway. It's going to be about the Holy Ghost and fire. It's what God has given to us. Would you give the Lord a hand cup of praise right now? <laughs> this is our greatest hour. Churchill said of those men in that generation, whether well, it was the greatest generation, it was, the, it was the finest hour. Listen, what an hour it is to be called by his name. Listen, God has called us into the kingdom for such a time. I, I, I'm encouraged by the fact that God called me for this hour. He didn't call me to 1900. He didn't call me to 1850. And thanks be to God, he didn't call me in the Old Testament. I know some of you want to live with Moses and, and have seen all that with Noah and all that good stuff. Wait until you get to heaven and ask him to replay it for you. <laughs> I'm thankful he called me to the kingdom for such a time as this. Paul said we're troubled on every side. Yes, we are. Cast down, persecuted. But what did he say? We're not in despair. We're not forsaken. We're not destroyed. Why? It's not because Paul was strong in his physical being, but he was strong in the Lord. In the power of his might, that promise is just one of many that you and I have, that God will strengthen us. He will protect us in the face of opposition. And you look at the scriptures, Nehemiah, it was a time where, where the Bible says it, that came start to building that wall around Jerusalem. Nehemiah felt that burden. He felt that that passion, if you will, to rebuild the wall. He didn't want to see Jerusalem in the state that it was in. It, it pulled and tugged at his heart. And church, we need to be mindful today to when God is drawing us and God is trying to, to pull us out of our comfort zone and God is trying to lead us, it might not be comfortable, but if, you are, if we are going to be led by the Spirit, you may have to do things that you're not comfortable with doing, but just follow the will of God. I'll just say this too. God may mess up your entire day. He may mess up our entire plan for the day. 
But that's all right if it's his will that's going to be done. You may find yourself inconvenienced. You may find yourself out of the normal pattern. You may find yourself, and I hate to even say it because when you preach it, you end up getting it. But if you're broke down on side the road, Lord, please, not this week. (laughs) When you preach it, watch out. (laughs) But if it happens, God, you know. And God, I'm still going to trust in you. And if there's, a, if there's a reason for this, God, help me to walk in that. If there's somebody that needs to hear the gospel, somebody that needs to be pointed towards you, Lord, let me be that voice. Let me be the one that encourages. Let me be the one that shines light into the darkness. When Nehemiah, he felt that, that burden, he encouraged the people with his words and and. The opposition, though, to the project, it didn't start when they, when they got to Jerusalem. But when Nehemiah felt the burden for the people and the situation about the walls, look at what Nehemiah was already in. Look at the impossibilities. He was already a captive in another country. When you think about Doing things for God. Sometimes we think it's got to all be a certain way and it's got to be perfect. That runway has got to be smooth or God's not going to be able to get this plane off the ground. But you know what? Here's Nehemiah already a captive. He's the cupbearer for the king. He would not be able to escape those responsibilities and get to Jerusalem and do what he's got to do. First of all, he's a captive. He would have to get permission He would have to receive letters of transit. He would have to have protection. He would have to have provision. Think about the impossibilities. He's a captive. He has no freedom except what the king will grant him. He has no authority and he has no resource. But let me tell you what I just told you what he does not have. But let me tell you what he did have. He still had a voice. God, I ain't got no resources. I'm a captive. I have no authority. But God, I'm going to direct my prayers unto you. I can't do it. I don't have the resources. And listen, the Bible says, Nehemiah 1 and 3, when they told Nehemiah that the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates are burned with fire, it came to pass that when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. God, I have no ability to change it on my own, but God, if you will just hear my voice, if you'll hear my cry, if you'll hear my petition, I believe, Lord, that you can make a way. All the impossibilities stacked up against one man, but listen, the impossibilities that are stacked up against you, don't look at that as an impossibility, but look at that as God's opportunity. When you see things that are impossible, when your checkbook is empty, your bank account's empty, when 
you look at your health and things are getting worse, when you look at your lost family member and it looks like they're never coming back, look at it not as an impossibility, but look at it as an opportunity for God. Would you clap your hands right now unto the Lord and give him thanks for all the impossibilities for us are simply opportunities for our God. Nehemiah, yeah, he's got nothing that he could rely on. There's not anything that he could trust in. But when he heard about it, when he heard about the condition of the people of God and the wall and the gates, and it drew him into that time of seeking the Lord and fasting and praying. He could have easily give up. Oh, well, I'm a captive too. What am I going to do? I don't have the resources. What am I going to do? I, I have no authority. I can't do. Even if I wanted to do, I can't leave. The king's never. And some people talk their way out of ever being used by God. You see it even in the scriptures. What was Moses doing? He was telling God how much he can't be. He's talking to God. Of how much he can't do what God's telling him to do. Well, God's telling you to do it. Moses? Hello? If God's telling you to do it, don't you think that God's going to give you the ability to do it? Church, listen, don't talk your way out of being used by God. You may not have a, a, a degree in theology, but if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you can be used by God. I know that goes contrary to people's thought, but you could still speak in the name of Jesus over people and they can be healed. I was going to say lay hands on them, but, you know, we could still speak the name of Jesus over them, and they can be healed. Nehemiah prayed. He trusted God. You know, and I, I believe, and I, I'm making the assumption you've read about Nehemiah. You understand that when he prayed, God opened the doors. The king was willingly, willingly gave him permission to go. He gave him not only permission, but he gave him the authority to go and do what he had to do. He gave him the provision of what he needed. Think about the miracles that happened for Nehemiah to be sent on his way for the rebuilding of the wall and, and, and all that was done that God said, okay, you're a man who has a desire. You desire to be used. You desire to not just give up and fold at any bit of opposition, but you're going to cry out to me. Okay, I'll make a way for you. Here's your authority. Here's your resources. Here's your protection. Go ahead and do what you need to do. And I believe God has given the church that authority in this world. We face opposition every day. But how we face that opposition is important. You and I must remember that when we are weak, God can certainly strengthen us. When we are afraid, God can give us the courage that we need. When you look at the scriptures tells us about Sambalat and Tobiah, they used ridicule as a weapon to discourage the people of God from pursuing a dream or that burden. There's not anybody this morning that would like that likes to be humiliated. No one wants to be humili humiliated or ridiculed. Nobody wants to face an onslaught of ridicule and humiliation should their efforts fail. Mockery would be the first volley that they fired in the battle to discourage Nehemiah, and not only Nehemiah, but the Israelites from continuing their work to rebuild the walls. 
The enemy was encamped round about them, yet instead of attacking them with the sword, because the enemy could have easily attacked with swords, very easily, and overwhelmed the Israelites. But instead of using the sword, they chose words instead. Because they believed that their words would do more damage than those swords. That if they can discourage them with the words, they will give up and quit that dream of rebuilding that wall. Using words to, to make them begin to question themselves and question God and why are we here and why are we doing this? This is impossible. It's never going to work out. That is the same tool the enemy uses today. To trick us, to make us think that we're no good. You know, you messed up 14 years ago. Remember that? God's never going to use you again. You know, you don't do everything right, so God can't use you. You know, your family name isn't whatever. God can't use you. And all of these excuses the enemy will use against us, and we begin sooner or later to go, oh, well, I guess you're right. I'll never be able to be used. But I come against that kind of thinking in the name of Jesus because you and I can be used in this hour, and I believe God wants to use his people in a mighty way. <laughs> Oh, the enemy knew the Israelites were a conquered people. They knew that being a conquered people, they would already have a low self-esteem, a, a mentality of, of someone who's less than everybody else. That's what you are as a captive and in captivity. But you know what? Paul said this. He said, but thanks be to God, which giveth us you and I, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The victory. God has given us the victory. You look at Sanballat. He was the regional governor, likely from the city of Moab. Tobiah was the governor of the Ammonites. And Geshem, the, the Arab, they, they discouraged Nehemiah or attempted to discourage him and the Israelites. They despised them and wanted nothing more that they would fail and just give up on the efforts. It's amazing to me the number of people that just want to see you fail. Some people just get a joy out of watching people fail. Makes them feel good about themselves and not trying anything. Why? Because they tried and they failed and they want to make sure everybody else fails. But you know what? You may fail and I may fail. But if we just get back up and say, God, that didn't work out like I thought it would. That didn't work. Have you ever prayed for somebody and they, they didn't get any better? Well, guess what? That's not, that's not anything on you. You know what? If God chooses to heal somebody, it's because God has chosen to heal somebody. I can't heal anybody. I don't have that ability, but he has the ability to do it. And what am I going to do? I'm going to trust in the name of Jesus that God's going to give the healing by the authority of his word. I believe God can do it, and I've seen God do it. But you know what? I'm not going to stop because somebody doesn't get healed. I'd have stopped a long time ago. 
I prayed for people on their deathbed, and the Lord chose to take them. They were healed. Now, people don't want to hear, they don't want to hear that. No, if they were healed, they'd still be alive. No, they were healed. They received their ultimate healing. <laughs> I want to be aligned with God's purpose. I want to be aligned with his will in this hour. God promises people, there shall no man be able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon the land that you shall tread upon as he saith unto you. My God is able to keep this church, and my God is able to give us a mighty revival in the midst of the worst darkness this world has ever seen. So I say to the church this morning, keep on praying, keep on fasting, keep on seeking God. Keep doing the work of the Lord. Don't give up and don't quit and don't doubt the Lord, but trust in his name. The Bible says that Nehemiah, he set a watch against those who were surrounding the enemy, surrounded. People, people say that a best defense is a good offense. And, and I, could see the, I could see the truth in that. We can't always be on defense, church, but we do have to take Take the offense as well, or be on the offensive, I should say. Don't take offense. That's different. That's different. <laughs> Don't take offense, but be on the offensive. Advance in the kingdom of God. When God says go, go. When God says stand still, stand still. When God says wait, wait. When God says do, do. Whatever God is saying to do, do it with all of your heart. But here's what Nehemiah did. When the enemy was, was surrounding them and trying to berate them and trying to get them to turn back on God and really using words, Nehemiah did something very important because what he did was he set a watch in other words, he set a watch to keep an eye out against the enemy if they should ever try to attack. If, should they ever try to come against the people of God. But what he did was not only set a watch, but he said, you know what? We're going to do something very important as well. We're going to be prepared in case anything should happen in the midst of our rebuilding Process. And what they did was, the Bible says that they were to work with one hand I don't know, working with two hands is hard enough They are rebuilding the wall And Nehemiah says, you know what guys, I need you to understand something we, gotta, we have to be prepared, like the Boy Scouts used to say. I don't know if they still say that or not. I don't even know if they're still a Boy Scouts. Be prepared. Brother Jim, be prepared. You know what that means? That means, that doesn't mean i got to carry a backpack with me all day, every day. Brother Gary, with everything I would ever need, I mean, it would be helpful, right, if in case, in case I needed it, i got everything in that backpack. But you can't carry enough stuff. But you mentally have to be prepared. Nehemiah said, you know what, if we're going to rebuild this wall, go ahead and keep your sword in one hand. Keep your weapon in one hand, but just keep on working with the other. Now, you would think logically that it would have taken them much longer. It would take us forever to do something with a weapon in one hand, working with the other. But you know what? When you got your weapon in one hand, and you're working with the other. 
There's going to be strength that comes and power that flows through you and that person next to you. Why? Because you're doing the work of God. And even though you've got to be prepared for the enemy that's going to attack, that's going to try to attack, that's going to try to disrupt, you'll be prepared for that. But also, let's continue to do the work. And so to the church today, let's get that weapon back in our hand and let's continue to do the work of God. Some people say you can't do both. Nehemiah said you can do both. You can keep a weapon and be prepared and you can continue to do the work that God has called you to do. It has been said that nothing can replace hard work. There are no shortcuts to completing a task. How many of you have found that to be true? You ever tried a shortcut and wish you hadn't? Many times. Putting together furniture in my house with instructions on a piece of paper like this, and one line is in English, and the next 15 lines are in many different languages, I have no idea. And I find myself reading, and I'm, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just going to try it on my own. And by the time I get through it, I'm missing pieces and parts. I should have gone all the way back to step two and did it right. Because step 15 is not working out anymore. And I got to go start all the way back over from the beginning. You know why shortcuts usually don't work? One man said our society, and I'm closing here, our society has become accustomed to getting things quickly. They said we have become the microwave popcorn generation. We can get things fast. But I did hear a saying one time, it said, if you want it bad, you usually get it bad. You can get things fast, but you know what? When you look at the microwave oven, it did not take three minutes to design and build the microwave oven. But it said the science that was used for the microwave oven was developed from technology that was used during World War II. It would take over 30 years of hard work, 30 years of hard work to develop an apparatus that was both affordable, reasonably sized to make the microwave a must-have for most homes worldwide. It didn't happen in three minutes, but there were people who were clicking away there were people who were working diligently when many voices were saying, it can't be done, it can't be done, it can't be done. Nope, just keep clicking away. Just keep doing. And they were able to be successful because they did not give up in the midst of opposition. And church, as you stand with me this morning, don't give up. Don't quit. In the face of adversity, in the face of opposition and persecution, don't give up. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. This is the hour in which we must work. The hour cometh when we're at that point, church. Let's work for the Lord and trust in his name. Would you lift your hands all over this place this morning and would you just give God praise? He's called you. He's filled you. He's given you promise after promise. 
He wants to use us in this hour. His church is going to be on display for all the world to see. It's not going to be something that's done in a corner. But this is going to be that light. This is going to be that city on the hill. This is going to be what the Lord has designed the church to be. This is the hour. Let the Lord use you. Let the Lord use you mightily in this hour. Jesus, I pray right now, if there are those discouraged, if there are those, Lord, who are tired of the battle and weak today, I pray strengthen today. Encourage and lift up, Lord. Let them trust in your name. In the name of Jesus, Lord, bless and encourage right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, bless this morning your people. In the name of the Lord. Take a moment. Take a moment and bless the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Take a moment. Bless the Lord before we dismiss. Bless his name right now. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.